It's time to go into Auto Reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week we're going Auto Reverse on Lee Scratch Perry. So, Tony, I want to read you this quote uh, about Keith Richards, what he said about uh, Lee Scratch Perry. You can never put your finger on Lee Perry. He's the Salvador Dali of music. He's a mystery. The world is his instrument. You just have to listen. More than a producer, he knows how to inspire the artist's soul. Like Phil Spector, he has a gift of not only hearing sounds that come from nowhere else, but also translating those sounds to the musicians. Scratch is a shaman. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, of all the stuff that I read about him and stories, like it seemed like very much to really encapsulate who Lee Scratch Perry is. Yeah, that's. Uh, I never heard that quote. That's great. That's and that sounds pretty accurate in ter- in terms of context, like in terms of the context of his career and like and everything that he's done and hasn't done and. Uh, it's it's crazy too um how prolific he was considering all the crazy shit that went on i mean he had two studios burned down one in switzerland and then the one in jamaica and he's still like it like he just kept going and and also in some weird way reinventing himself uh like like i read all about this like sort of his uh 2000s career so like 2000 on it's like i didn't even know half of that stuff you know like um i mean i saw him play right at uh at the old north six i saw him play there uh with the yeah it it was uh it was good he was already like quite a bit older oh and i also saw him play at the wetlands now now that i remember um and he was a little bit more energetic at that show i think that was in the 90s so he was a bit more energetic by the time i saw him at uh north six he was quite a bit older um and and uh but yeah like that's a great quote um i didn't even know i had no idea there was some connection between him and keith richards or is he just a fan i i i I think that they i i i'm not 100 percent, but i thought he worked on um um his solo out helped on the solo but i could be mistaken i thought that there was some tie-in with them or Mm -hmm. I know that the Stones went down there to Jamaica to record, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not. I should have did a little bit more research on this, but I remember there was some connection though when he was hot during the during the um, you know '80s, and that they went down there because like that's when he was doing all like the Robert Palmer and Clash and mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. that other stuff. But uh, yeah, I. Um, you know, it was just a, such a great quote, and you know, I should also mention the obvious and great auto reverse tradition. We're covering someone who had recently passed away. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's not. You know, it's kind of like it doesn't make it any more urgent. I don't. I, I'm trying to figure out why we do it, but it's just like I think that you remember when uh, you know, at least with him, like Lee Scratch Perry is one of those people that you don't. His influences, you can hear, uh, you know, when he's touched a record or a song. Um, but he's just, he was more of a bigger life person who's not really mainstream. Is that 
accurate or yeah it's, yeah it's accurate i mean he he was always on our list of people to yes. uh i think at one point you were like oh how like when he passed you told me how was he not on our list and i was like wait was he on our list and then i went back and went read through our you know 300 band list of people to cover and uh and he was at that he was at the bottom right there under periubu Periubu. (laughs) and i was like um yeah you're right he's it's he's he's ubiquitous but not obvious my my um sort of the reason why like the reason why i didn't want to cover him right away i'm this is before his death um I, there was some hesitation on my part just because of the body of the body of work that he has. It's so vast, and I was I was afraid <laughs> to go after. Well, him, you know what I mean. That's what you're like, like. You're just like I remember. You're like, dude, we can't. I got you're gonna have to give me a couple of weeks on this. And the, yeah, play, and the, and the playlist, like uh, the playlist, while it's like oh, almost four hours long, it's really yeah. really tight. I mean, it's like a really good cross section of you know upsetter stuff with Clash, with yeah. um, you know just a really nice you know the little Bob Marley there, the, of course the Beastie Boy song, um, and and my favorite Roots reggae record of all time that he produced, the Congos. Yeah, that's on there too. Yeah, yeah, it's on there too, and that and. I actually recently bought the reissue uh, of it. Uh, they reissued it on vinyl, and you can really hear his hand. You can hear like the hand that he had in that recording, and it and it was at the be- you know it was in the early seventies, so it's like at the beginning of his fucking around. You know, like the way he used uh, um, echo and like like early samples and and things like that to kind of give the recordings more you know more life than just yeah. a bunch of guys singing and playing almost, instruments you yeah know it's what I almost mean? like the, the sets the mood very much you know it's uh mm-hmm. i was gonna say like how would you define like a lee perry a scratch perry um you know effect on a, an album like it is those use of effects i always think his entrances or the, the initial intros into songs are always fairly unique too like i you know eight is eight and there's like i could probably run a list of them that have a really kind of like use of heavy like you're saying heavy use of echo but samples and um and he, and he was through so many different genres not just dub and you know reggae and ska but like um a little jungle and like the genres i'm not as familiar with but i'm sure you are i i think the thing with him that's the most i i mean this is just my opinion of course people will say other things but i think it's it's the playfulness uh, the, his playfulness uh, as that that's what shows through in these recordings it's just this playful kind of especially his recordings upsetters uh, uh you know leave scratch perry the like super ape and all those records it's yeah. like you really hear the playfulness um and like even like to junior mervin and all like he he added that this element of fun that maybe the artist that he was working with didn't see until he showed up because that that's the thing the two times i saw him play it was just like his presence just changed the whole energy of the room like just him showing up with these weird 
his weird colored hair and his weird hats and jewelry mm, yeah. and just he const- constantly had a spliff going constantly uh in his hand and uh i think that's the thing he was able to put his personality and that and that joy that he had into anything that he worked on whether it was his or, or another artist's uh record even like yeah. the clash who was fucking right. super serious super serious bands you know uh even like his role in in their recordings changed the you know changed them it like made them sound more fun yeah. you know more easygoing well and also it's like even when he's adding things on there it's not like this it's like a heavy imprint uh just because some producers can really add what their their style to where they're trying to form they're try, really trying to take the band and mold it around what their vision is and what i've always liked about that is that lee scratch perry is like you said that playfulness but it's like a light touch it's, mm-hmm. it's not it's not disruptive is probably a better way of putting it it's something that seems very well ingrained in whatever the song or the, the thrust of the song was um and whether he needed to amp his part of it up or or let it recede a little bit it it still made sense in the scheme of what the song was about and what it was you know what it was driving for yeah for sure i mean he didn't get in the way of it he just right. made it more sparkly and more and more fun and more you know what i mean and but also heavy because if you start thinking about like just hit like his role in so, the sort of creation of dub of that dub sound that's super psychedelic like mind altering sound like that's some heavy shit you know like i hear a dub record that, let's say outside of my house at a bar or something i know some shit's going down it's dub you know it's right. like someone's gonna start smoking weed like it's gonna it's and that so so for all the playfulness he also had that heaviness of the of dub and and also like his influence on like dance music and like sort of the remix and the that's you know that sort of thing the dub remix and the instrumentals and all that that stuff that had a heavy influence on dance music which um i think a lot of times when people talk about dance music they don't necessarily i mean people that know know but it's it's not usually a disc like it usually like people think of like dance music they think oh it started with disco right or like late later r&b but in reality like it was the like sort of reggae dub pioneers like lee like lee perry that and um king tubby right. and people like that that really pushed sound into this into this other realm of completely taking what you had and then like taking it apart and then putting it back together again in a way that sort of extends the pleasure and the and 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 reveals different things like that was the thing about lee perry like what i think what he did was he helped art himself and other artists reveal something that maybe wasn't obvious beforehand like you know what i mean like yeah, he, yeah, used, yeah, yeah. he used all the techniques that he had to cut at his disposal at his disposal to reveal the stuff and i think i kind of really started when he um opened up uh black arc is it black arc studios yeah yeah, yeah arc. when he opened that up he had the time 
to do that to help re reveal all the stuff and because before that he was working for gibbs and working for coxon and all those guys and he hated them he actually wrote songs about them like hating them because they sort of like controlled him and they controlled his creative side but they also controlled his financial side he didn't like that they were ripping him off and and if you look at the music that he made like with the upsetters and stuff before black arc it's it's kind of like ska you yeah, know yeah, it's yeah. it's good it's really good it's really good but it's very um traditional you know kind of and it was once he opened up his own studio that's when he fucking he took the fucking leash off the dog and they went and he went crazy and it's great Yeah, I, I, you know, there's also like the influence he had on Bob Marley, which was, uh -huh. which is, seems to be a little underplayed given, but I did a little reading into it and it's, and there was this, uh, I think it was Ziggy Marley was saying like, you know, I have it written down here, uh, Scratch helped my father look dip deeper into himself. He put Bob in the forefront and was instrumental in my father's career, which is something that's, that's pretty significant because uh, it, I didn't even know that. Before Bob Marley started his career, he was working in a Delaware uh, auto factory, and then he came back and kind of regrouped with Tosh and uh, Benny, uh, Peter Tosh and Bunny Whaler. Yeah, and then re got like came to, you know, Lee Scratch Perry kind of for some guidance, and he kind of really kind of showed them kind of the path that they should be taking, and you know that's that's fairly significant because that uh, you know. You know, that of course changed. it took them from like it took them from like a rock steady yeah. ska thing which is what they were uh, the original whaler you know like yeah. the original whalers were were and it, and then they completely did a you know a you know 360 and just changed it up and lee is the guy he's the guy that made a lot of people do that max romeo right, right. The, the you know uh bob marley he made uh the congos he did he he helped everyone that he worked with see the other side of things you know what i mean right. he helped them see like the freedom in the music and that and that's to me what that guy represents it's a freedom he right. was a free soul and uh who used uh, you know all his, all the t uh, recording techniques and his personality and his expression and the way he dressed he used everything to liberate the music, everything, right. and and for that, he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He should be right. told. He should be put up there on a pedestal. Like this is the guy that helped change almost everything without you knowing. Right. You know that you know, I you know, I just remembered that the 
Remember I said that Lee, uh, Lee Scratch Perry song with Keith Richards called uh, Heavy Voodoo? Yes. Yes. So that's they worked on a couple songs together, and that was the ah uh, okay. And I was like, because okay. I was like, I heard the song. I'm like, have you ever heard this? And you're like, yeah, of course. But I, you yeah. know, it was really, really, really good. When did he record that? Was that in the '80s? I believe so. Let me. Yeah. 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 Let me yeah. see. I, I mean, it's a really. I mean, I don't even know what it's off of. I, I see the. Oh, it's on the album. Um, scratch came. Scratch saw. Scratch conquered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's on a Lee. It's on a Lee Perry. It's on yeah. a Lee Scratch Perry record. Yeah. Wow. Two thousand eight. Wow. And yeah. Wow. So not that long ago. Oh. Crazy, huh? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about that's the thing about him. It's like you said before. It's like he's so ubiquitous, but no, most people don't know who he is. You know, like most. You know, most passive or you know. Well, it's you know, it's music kind of, fans it's don't. It's kind of funny because he's like this outlandish character but he just never seemed to you know i don't even know and i think it's really just because of where he kind of sat in the formation of a lot of these things like he, i don't there's a part of me that feels like he's the authentic he he was the real authentic deal so the way that he was acting was like that's the way i am and there was an honesty to it rather than a, a self-promotional aspect which musicians can do at, at times I yeah, I, he was he was genuine about his craziness. Yeah, he was totally genuine. And and but the thing the thing about reggae that I have noticed over the years from collecting records and being a you know like obsessive music fan, I have noticed that people that are into reggae are really into reggae, really into reggae to the point where that's basically all they listen to. And I think that kind of works against someone like Lee Perry, which is like like he becomes the godhead in that world but and and almost they keep him from leaving you know what i mean like and so it does take a keith richards it does take the beastie boys it does take these artists that live outside of that world to help liberate him and get him out into the into like the public and because i have noticed that like i mean over the years of collecting records i've like i've noticed that people like like I may have been collecting the same records with them for a long time, and then all of a sudden they get into reggae, and then they fucking disappear. Like you never see them again. Right. It's almost like it, they go down that rabbit hole and they never come back. And I think that sometimes works against um, some reggae artists. Like you know, the other the other great time in the '90s where I saw non-reggae artists collaborate with a with a reggae artist, and they made and it made. It made a lot of sense and it helped liberate them a little bit was when massive attack did that record like dub record with matt i think it was with matt professor right 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 that was really cool like that was an interesting um collaboration between two very different artists and then and it made sense together because it was like well these these people are just trying to extend out joy and pleasure and 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 this sort of like kind of like um uh, music that helps you meditate almost it's almost like a meditative quality you know what i mean and <laughs> yeah. and and yeah and it's kind of like and i know that the meditative quality sometimes gets thrown right back into the dub world and people are like oh it's just for people that are super high but it's like i think it's goes beyond that because in that meditation of like droney music like, like, a, like if you take someone like terry riley 
or right. whatever, it, it does re- reveal something, and you don't necessarily have That's to be high. That's funny that you say that. It's like it's like listening to Brian Eno stuff. It's like it just there it, you it go. Baranski stuff. It's like it gets you in a state, and I listen to it all the time, and mostly when I'm either writing or when I'm reading, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it kind of and sometimes not doing anything because you're right. It just kind of puts you in a in a state that is. Something, yeah, maybe you're right. Like tra- almost trance-like, almost almost like a trance, you know. It it, it it's it's like when you if, if you know if you've ever driven uh, a manual car, it's like when you pop it and you put it in neutral and you just let mm-hmm. shit coast. You're not no the, no one's nothing's driving, nothing's powering the car. It's just mm-hmm. the momentum of the day or momentum mm-hmm. of the music that's kind of uh. carry, it's kind of carrying you. It's not anything generated by yourself. It's like you've t- taken it off and then you've allowed them that which which you're hearing just kind of transport you to other places and you, know, you just said you just said it it's so, so such a great point the music that can create momentum on yeah. its own like just it being there in the in the ether and playing and can keep things going like that's beauty in music that's like I mean, I know ancient cultures and more ethnic cultures understand the power of that. And I know it gets kind of lost in the pop world, in the Western world, like in the right. U.S. and the England. It could get lost. But that momentum is important. He had a handle. I mean, Lee had a handle on that. Yo, but Lee was great because he could also write a three-minute pop song. Yeah. <laughs> if he wanted to. I mean, Police and Thieves? Yeah. Come on, dude. That's one of the best songs ever. <laughs> and he so he could he could do both. He could send you into, you know, into the stratosphere or he can get you right back down and not until you're not in your head to a three minute ditty like he could do both, you know, and that's what you know, that's why we're that's why we're covering him because he just had that that magic that power well yeah and i think that's you know i think what that's kind of like what you know when we're talking about reasons to uh bands uh that we cover here is they they have different there's all these different degrees of magic that they kind of cast on over us um you know we talk about we have that list of 300 there's no one on that list they all do the cast their magic in different ways and, um, you know, I think the ones that do something that's similar to others, it's kind of a little less, uh, you know, it's a little less interesting for you and I. We can't really, you know, the, sh- the shortest conversations for you and I are, are the ones where we just, it's not neither, it's neither something we hate or it's neither something we love. It's something that it's just. Yeah, I think it's would, not as ma- it's not as magical. Like you and I would it's have not a very, I, I have a feeling you and I have a very long conversation about Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, I, I, uh, like, is that like, are we ever going to cover Queens of the Stone Age? Probably not. There's nothing. Inter- Probably not. There's nothing interesting in that band for me to really talk. I mean, like, there's some. It's off. it's it's like a sugar substitute. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's sweet. Well, but there's something missing, and and that that magic isn't there. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, I feel like what's his name is uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, Josh Holm might be careerist 
minded, which I'm kind of like, that turns me off too. Like, well, do you think fucking Lee Perry was careerist mind? Well, but, but also it's just like, when I think of Queens of Stone Age, I, when I'm listening to Queens of Stone Age, I'm just like, why aren't I listening to Caius? This is, I, this is so much better listening to Caius than listening to this. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But, it, it's like it's but, like it's it's like Queens was, it was a it was a sort of repurposing I, of Caius yeah, uh, in, in my a, book. Yeah, I want a bigger house type of. Yeah, thing. I want a bigger house. I want my kids to go to private school. I get I get it. I mean, well, we're proving the point that we can't talk to a long time about Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, there's always tangents in this show. Uh, True. We, we might be talking about Tan food for 15 minutes, or like uh, what new what tires you want to get for your car. I don't know. A Firestone always, baby. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think like your but your point like like Lee Scratch Perry. It doesn't the, the people that truly hit home with us is place things like while you may compare stylings of them their magic or what they do well it kind of sits by itself um you know i think you know i, I probably would not think some of the the bands that we've we talked about that were uh, unknown maybe you're not maybe not but like i think like the you know leap scratch Perry is probably in the, the the bands that we cover there's Few that are more prolific and more, and not many more who had a, a, as profound of an effect on that the genres of music as he had. Oh no! They, I mean, this guy's singular. Uh, we, you know, we, we could pick him out of that lineup of three hundred bands easily, just because. Yeah. And I and I, it sucks that his death had to remind me of that. But hey, that that's what happens. We need I mean, those reminders sometimes. We need those reminders, you know, that like someone is is just so good, and well, it's easy to forget them, especially in this world of, uh, you know, of ever changing tastes and and the guy lived priorities. But it also is like for me, and you and I talk about this also. It's like I I don't get saddened by someone's death, especially when they have they've contributed so much to my enjoyment, and that mm. enjoyment is not going to be taken with them. And you know, Lee Scratch Perry lived to like I think eighty-five or something. Yeah, something uh, like that. But he left more importantly for selfishly, he left behind a lot of music for generations to enjoy. And his impact probably will be, you know, still affects bands to today and probably to the years to come. I mean, the guy was, like you said, singular. Uh, and you know, that's that. I, I you know, I. I feel that in your playlist, especially, is is a great like you could have easily made a six hour playlist, and I'm sure there's some on Spotify, but this one I feel like is very well create uh, curated, and uh, I hope everyone takes a listen to it because it works both as a background meditative, and it works great when you just want to move your ass and you know. Yeah, I, I was just trying to keep his voice intact through the playlist. Not not his literal voice, just the voice of like his his feeling right. and, and music and output. I was just trying to keep that like kind of show the line of like right. his his influence. Um, and I, and also I picked the stuff that I really liked. You know, I well, didn't just pick that goes without you know, saying. Yeah, we, yeah. That, I mean, I, I try to do that in the playlist all the time. I try to put I, stuff on I, there that I like. I feel and it's around 95 percent stuff you like and five percent you're okay with it's usually about yeah it, it's a high percentage of things you like in there i i don't i can't see you put making a playlist and putting something that you were like okay with unless it was something of mine that i say 
yeah, let's throw this in here. I'm like, okay, but that remix isn't very good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, the, you know, like there are bands that where we cover and it's like, like, let's say they started in the seventies or whatever. And then by the time the nineties roll around, right. I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. Like I'm not fucking putting any of that music on there. Cause it doesn't, I don't like it. I understand yeah. that they're still, they're working hard. They're still doing their thing. But for me, there's a zenith for people's music. It like it starts to go downhill after a while if they're at going at it for long enough, you know. And uh, I'm not saying that's Lee's problem, no. uh, but but uh, you know, like uh, Toots, for example, we did Toots not that long ago, um, and like I just you know after like yeah. 19 the early 80s, I just didn't yeah. really feel his music as much, and there was also like confusion there where there was dance hall going on right, and. Right, right. And other other forms of like sort of emerging like uh, you know pop, reggae pop music, and I'm just kind of like, I'm gonna be honest and say I'm not fucking doing, you know, I'm not doing that, you know, and that's but that's that's the beauty of the show. We get to do what we want. Yes, you know that's the benefit of having a low a, a low amount of listeners. People don't exactly <laughs> people, people people don't people don't really get all, all up in arms. No, 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 no. People don't get in our face about it. Yes, not at all. Uh, but to you, fabulous fifteen people that listen to the show, if you want to tell, if you want us to uh, tackle any other bands that you like, that you want to hear our point point of view on, or tell us what you think about this or the playlist or anything, you know, give us a shout at uh, auto reverse pod at gmail .com or uh, we have a, a Facebook and Instagram page as well. Uh, Tony, you got anything to plug? Uh, just my radio, my two radio shows. There's Crowd Control Radio on cjmp.ca backslash listen Fridays noon to 2 Pacific Standard Time and there's also Tony P's Night Shift Radio Show on Cortez Radio uh, I think it's Cortez with Radio S. yeah it's Cortez with, Cortez with an S not with a Z I put it uh, with Cort a Z last week and I was just like why can't I find ah, this place Cortez Radio dot C I think it's CA yes, um, it and that's on Saturdays midnight to 2 a.m pacific standard time both shows uh are are good uh um <laughs> and they're both mostly music it's not a lot of me talking on them um yeah. and i create uh two separate um uh playlists for each show vinyl playlist so, so i bring the vinyl with me and and uh each week it's different i try my best to mix it up and you know acquire new stuff to to, to pepper had, in there you all had the a time nice, you had a nice haul a couple weeks ago that's that you, right that's you, right that you put a lot on your last couple shows and it's been great yeah. i highly recommend the shows i'm not just saying that because he controls the playlist i'm saying it because they are really fun shows and yes both of them highly recommend so check them out uh, i do the work you enjoy it there that's my whole thing with the radio let, and with auto reverse we do the work you enjoy yeah it. let the king of the deep cuts take you away for a couple hours <laughs> definitely <laughs> all right my man until next time all right peace